Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The All-American Half Pounder. Pure beef patty, lettuce, tomato, this is Rock and Roll Radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the remote.
is Rock and Roll Radio. Stay tuned for more rock and roll. That is so awesome. Welcome to Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio. And today we have a special show. Um, today we are talking about the this really cool play that's out in L.A. called Four Chords and a Gun. And John Ross and um, also Brian Nitkin is on the line with us. And I'm going to bring Brian on. And also we have... The um, we have Monty Melnick with us, and also Spencer Dre with us, also in regards to what the play is about, which is the making of the Ramones' fifth album, End of the Century, with the infamous and legendary Phil Spector. And this play has been getting amazing reviews out in LA. And uh, I'm going to bring everyone into the chat room and then just let Brian start talking a little bit more. And we're waiting for John to call in. Let me bring Monty into the to the studio and Brian and Spencer. Hi. There, everybody's hey. there. Yeah. Got everybody. Brian, you yeah. there? Down here. <laughs> that was such a killer song to open up with. And Monty, you're there too. I'm so happy yeah. everybody's here. And, go, um, <laughs> I know. I I know. So just so everybody knows a little bit about who everyone is and who the players are, this is Holly Steffi. And if you'd like to call in, um the number is three four seven six seven seven one oh three six. The chat room's open if you want to listen to the show. Afterwards, it will be available on iTunes afterwards and on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio. And um, I have uh, Brian with us, who's the pro- who's the producer of this amazing play, and they've been getting amazing reviews. And then we also have Spencer Drake, who is very um, much involved in end of the, the designing of End of the Century with the album cover artwork and stuff and other very amazing things and also Monty Melnick with us who um, was very, very involved in the Ramon life and, you know, Joey and and Tommy and everybody. And so let's get into this first by talking about a little bit about the play and introducing Brian and have Brian tell us a little bit more about this amazing play and how it's been and then get into talking to Spencer and, and Monty about this. This is really cool. Brian? Uh, yes. Well, thanks. Uh, hi, everyone. Nice hey. to meet everybody. Um, so we're thrilled. We, you know, on behalf of John Ross Bowie, the playwright, myself, the cast, uh, our director, everybody at the Bootleg Theater, we are over the moon about uh, – play four chords and a gun that just finished up our first week of performances here in LA. And we've got a few more weeks to go and um, everybody that's come out to see us so far has really responded quite favorably to it, both Ramones fans and non-Ramones fans, which is kind of cool. The play essentially is about um, that period of time in the late seventies and right around 1980 when the Ramones came out to LA and recorded end of the century with, Phil Spector. So it really picks up the band in their history after four albums, after a lot of struggle and frustration to sort of break out uh, and become a little bit more mainstream than they were. And uh, it's a unique and uh, it's a unique collaboration for, for obvious reasons based on obviously now 
what we know about the Ramones and what we know about Phil Spector, but also at the time, uh, both, you know, both artists coming from very different spectrums of, uh, of the music world. And so to come together to make an album was creatively a very unique opportunity. And then there were also a lot of very significant and seminal events that went on within the Ramones group at that time that really, you know, affected how they would then go on for the following 16 years as a group. So the play just takes that little slice of uh, music history and, um, you know, really builds off of a lot of the events and a lot of the circumstances that we know are true based on the research that we've done, interviews we've read, books that we've read, um, and really just paints it in a very colorful way. So it's, it's very funny. Um, uh, it's very dramatic. There's there's some pretty touching moments in it as well, and um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great time. It's a great time for the uninitiated Ramones fan and for the diehard ones as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, end of the century, um, Spencer was very pivotal in um, creating the album artwork for that with John Holstrom. We have Spencer with us, and this is really cool. How how I mean. This play itself, what, what do we, what are people saying? Like, you know, when they, I know a lot of people are saying, "Wow, I wish this would go other places." How are we looking at that? Is it traveling to other cities and stuff like that? Because I think a lot of people really would love to see this play. Uh, that's very, very nice of you to say that. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, we, we've gotten a lot of, um, a lot of requests, you know, for the show to come to other places. There's certainly a a strong uh, demand for it out of New York for obvious reasons. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to let the run kind of run a little bit and, and weigh all the options and see what we can do. Um, but for right now, we're just, we're just sort of enjoying showing it to people and, and getting some sort of response. And um, so it's been really exciting so far, but as of now, you know, we've got a great venue at the bootleg. We've got a great cast. We're just going to enjoy what we have for the time being. And, We'll evaluate everything in a few weeks, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah no, and I wanted I... to let – yeah, no, no, no we're really quick, Spence. Hold on one second. I just wanted to let everybody know that the show is running on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 2 through July 31st. And if you'd like to look for tickets, it's bootlegtheater.org. And I think, Brian, you said you were going to give some um, info about some other places people can get tickets for the show? Yeah, there's a fantastic uh, app, which is free to download, called Today Ticks. Uh, it's all the way it normally is, T-I-X. Um, and if okay. you download the app for free, you can search the show, um, and there are discount tickets for all of our performances, a select number of them. So... Uh, that is the easiest, quickest way to do it. You can buy tickets in 30 seconds right on your phone or mobile device. The app itself is one that is used pretty frequently in New York, and so they just started sort of operating out of L.A. and San Francisco, so it's relatively new out here in the West Coast, but it's as user-friendly as anything I've ever seen. So that's great. And I should also mention, too, just um, on our Sunday shows, we also offer free child care which is something relatively new, uh, I guess, in L.A. theater. Uh, And it's something that we're very deliberate about because we know a lot of our punk rocker moms and dads with little kids at home, uh, but we really want them to come enjoy this. And so kids between the ages of 4 and 12 
can come to the theater and they're looked after by licensed professionals in another room while their parents enjoy the show. And it's a really, really cool thing that we, uh, we started last Sunday and was really successful. So uh, we encourage people to come out and take advantage of that too. Oh, that's awesome. And and is John going to be calling in? Cause I wanted to ask him what made him decide to write this. Um, do you have uh, right, going to be calling in? I'm just, I'm just gonna okay, you know, cool. I'm texting him when right he, now as well. So. Oh no! When well, he let, calls let me in, add that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to, Holly. So um, I just want to bring in the fact that um, I designed the uh, end of the century album cover. But what's interesting about the period is everything relative to the period with the group. It was uh, would like flow into the album cover. For instance, Mick Rock did the iconic album cover front cover. And uh, there was great controversy on the image of the group because they were in T-shirts, right? And he took shots of them in leather jackets. And as I was on the Marky Ramon show, Marky told me that there was a big controversy on the image of going on the cover, and it got voted in. But on top of that, I would hear stories in the office about, you know, sort of like the Ramones wanted to work with Phil Spector, the wall of sound, very excited ended into a lot of fights. <laughs> I'd hear it in the office. And the typos were getting astronomical. I said, wow, this is a really incredible album. <laughs> Everything is going crazy. And I think Monty was there. I mean, Monty was was there with the group. Monty, maybe yeah. you could carry over some of the stories or whatever. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I really, I'd really like to see this play because I'm very curious to see how, how you approach this whole thing. Because I was there. I was there for the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, who's playing me? John Cusack, uh, Edward Norton? Uh, in, in the show? <laughs> yeah. You'll have to come and see for yourself. Yeah, yeah i got to come to L.A. And it was perspective, uh, you know, 1977, he came back to the Whiskey A Go-Go after we played the the show there. And, and he was always interested in the Ramones. He, he loved Jolly. He loved his voice. And he's always uh, he always wanted to work with the Ramones. So uh, I'm really curious to see what this play is all about because I was there beginning to end. Uh, I'd like to know what – did you contact anybody else? Like uh, the Ed Stasium, he was the engineer uh, uh, that was there. And, uh, you know, what, who did you contact to get your information about what happened? Hi, hi guys. Hi, guys. Hey, you know, Brian, John's here. John's here. John's finally John here. Sorry about that. John all these hey. questions for you. Welcome, John. We've got – Spencer Drake, who was who designed helped design the album cover along with John Holstrom and Mick Rock. We've got Monty Melnick and myself, Holly Steffi, and then we have Brian. And John is here. John, welcome to the show. Monty, I we just we just interfaced on Facebook uh, earlier this morning. What was that? We just interfaced on Facebook uh, earlier this morning. I, I enthusiastically uh, uh, plugged your your book. Uh, in the it was in the LA Weekly comment section, but it linked to Facebook. Oh great! Oh, thank you very much. Um, Monty's book was um, uh, Monty's book is is it's kind of a, a bible. Um, I did a lot of uh, first of all, hi and thank you for having us on. I had a, a child care <laughs> issue that has been resolved. You're very welcome, John. <laughs> and I apologize for my tardiness. I think Brian will vouch for oh, me no. and be a lot more punctual. <laughs> Uh, oh, I just wanted to let you know, John, really quick, that there's a chat room that's open. If anyone is in the chat room and also if you missed the show from the beginning, 
It'll be on iTunes afterwards. And if you want to call in, it's 347-677-1036. Yeah, we want to hear about you and how you chose everyone and go for it. There you go. Well, I, I, I went to uh, the books of which there are, are almost too many to count. Um, some highlights were definitely Monty's book. Um, mm-hmm. I loved Mickey's book about um, yep. about Joey. Uh, I slept with Joey Ramone. I found that to be really just an incredibly moving um, book. And it got us into it, – it goes pretty deep into um, – uh, into Joey's, how do we put this politely? Monty, how would you put it politely? I'm going to say issues, but is there a better way to phrase it? What? Joey's what? Uh, Joey's, uh, his OCD. OCD about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, mean uh, I wish you would mention my book in the articles because I read a few articles online. You don't mention my book. But, I mean, I was there, for God's sakes. So I wish you had called <laughs> me and me about it. I mean, where did you get your information? What happened in there? I a lot of it is um uh is from uh it's from the, the various books that have been written. There's uh there's Marquis's book, there's uh right. there's uh Johnny's book. Um I, Commando is, is brief but you know, I mean he was obviously writing it near the end. Um uh there's uh a couple of very good Phil Spector biographies. Um which are you know, there's a lot of, and then there's a lot of it is because it's a play and not a, a sprawling documentary, I had to crunch time. I had to composite characters. Um, uh, I gave a lot of – I sort of made all the manager, all the whole management team into Danny, who we never actually see, Danny Fields. Um, and uh-huh. he's yeah, sort of been like – he's sort of this around at the time. <laughs> no, no, he, was, he would have been uh, – he probably would have been in New York, I should imagine. Well, you know, I think at that time there's, uh, there was another manager, Gary Kerfess was managing the band at that time. Mm, yeah. I've got, I, I, you know, it's funny, my, my, God, you know, it's funny, it's funny how many, how many conflicting timelines there are about something that happened not quite 40 years ago. Um, uh, cause I thought that Kerfess came in after, a couple albums after end of the century, because I've got Danny leaving right after end of the century, and then Kerfers taking over. Um, but again, you know, time had to be had to be crunched a little bit here and there. You know, it's I, I yeah. there's a new there's a moment in the beginning of the play, and there's a moment in the uh, and there's a article in the uh, or there's a a disclaimer in the um that you know this is a work of historical fiction and i i you know uh-huh. if you get into the the nitty gritty of every single detail you've got a uh, you've got a play that would be slightly longer than hamlet i'm, I'm sorry that's, that's an oxymoron historical fiction isn't it uh, come on can i can i mention something john i want to speak yeah, to spencer I designed Road to Ruin and Into the Century, John. Oh, great. I, I love your work. Yeah, thank you. And, yeah. and what, you were saying, what, what you were saying was interesting because I worked directly with Danny Fields on Road to Ruin, but I don't remember communicating with Danny on End of the Century, believe it or not. We have um, a message directly from um, from Mickey to John about yes, um, yeah. Thank you. that you got. You want to let, let it's a really cool message. Want to read that to him? 
response? It was a really cool yeah, message. Oh, he was like, me. really. Oh, talking to me. Yeah, hey, yeah, on, you. Me. You got a message from Mickey this morning. Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on, hold on. I have to get on the computer because I didn't know you were going to ask me this. But meanwhile, but, yeah, no, I Mickey, just thought it would be really cool you, to uh, talk John, about this. Mickey, Mickey mm-hmm. Lee sent a thank you to us to thank you for, uh, you know, what you did with the play, you know. And capturing wow. everything that was going on, yeah. I mean, so that's from I that's from Mickey. And, yeah, from Mickey. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I as I say, I was incredibly moved by his book, and you know, Mickey came to us a few months ago when we were still working with the, in hindsight, not terrific title of a play about the Ramones, <laughs> which was perhaps mm-hmm. a little too on the nose. But he he said, you know, listen, you can't use the. Uh, the, the word Ramones to sell your play. And I immediately, you know, we immediately said, absolutely fine. No problem. Cause you know, the last thing I want to do, you know, it, it is, you know, is it a, a glowing portrait of, of, you know, six wonderfully perfect people? No, but the last thing I want to do is tarnish a legacy. The hope, and I've said this before, the hope is that I don't alienate Ramones fans and in fact make a bunch of new ones. And the nice thing when people walk out of the play, they always come to me and go, I'm going to go home and devour that album. I am just going to awesome. go home and devour that album. Wow. And I get, wow. I, and I hear that, I hear that four or five times a night. And those are just the people who recognize me. They're like, Oh, that's the schmuck who wrote the play. Let me talk to him. Um, and it, it's just, <laughs> I get chills when that happens. The idea that someone is going to have some, some slight, Something resembling the feeling I had when I when I curled up with that record. I mean, the first record I bought was the first record I bought. The, I bought Ramones when I was about fourteen. It was a few years after it had come out, but um, I bought that record and I remember popping it into my tape deck in the little apartment in New York City and just being like, "Oh, I'm sorry. This is music. This is what's been missing." And the idea that that someone could mimic that incredible revelatory feeling is I, I, I just hope there's a lot of that happening. I just really hope there's a lot uh-huh. of that happening. I think it is. Hey, uh, Holly, I could read the quote now from Mickey. I got the email up. It says, okay, uh, cool. you, you can tell him, meaning John, I was extremely flattered reading this in the article. It says, and in quote, still Bowie tried to ground as much uh, of the story as possible. In fact, reading every Ramones book he could find, a key source he says was I Slept with Joey Ramone, a punk rock family memoir written by Joey's brother, Mickey Lee, and that's what struck him, John. Well, well, good. I mean, it was what was interesting about that book specifically is that it, it um, you know, it, it, it's, it's the, the family behind the family, you know? I mean, obviously the Ramones were a family, ha-ha, they have the same last name, get it? But, you know, there, but there's something about, you know, hearing his, and, and believe me, there's moments where he's furious with Joey and there's all sorts of stuff about merchandising and roadieing and stuff like that. But it's such a compassionate portrayal of a, uh, of a, of a brother. And, uh, it's a, it's a really moving book. Um, uh, and then of course, I mean, Monty's thing, Monty's, Monty's is great because it's like, please kill me. And that it's uh, an oral history. <laughs> so it's like, it's like reading just this terrific document. It's like being at the best party of the world, basically, because everyone is oh, a no. letting each other Monty, speak. Monty has the best stories to tell too. I mean, really I fun mean, the, stuff. The, the quotes <laughs> Monty, in book, there? Monty's book are amazing. Yeah, Monty, I, just, I wish you had talked to me about this whole thing. I would have, 
straightened out about a lot of stuff. I'm it, really it, I, I feel like a, a schmuck that I didn't just look for you on Facebook. Um, <laughs> I was kind of working from the – I was operating from the, gosh, everybody in this play is dead. Uh, pretty much everybody in this play is dead or in jail. Um, and, uh, and, and wasn't able to do as much straight up interviews as I would have liked. I had a talk with Andy Paley about Phil Spector, um, cause he worked, no, the Paley brothers worked right before. Also, you should talk to Ed Stasium. He was there. He's the engineer and the whole thing. And I just talked to him the Stasium other day. And I are now, Stasium and I are now friends on Facebook. Stasium just, oh, yeah, um, yeah. friended me on Facebook and yeah, I said, so awesome. because he did, I talked to he him did that record. He did a bunch of, he did, um, he did, um, uh, my favorite Dickies record, uh, Stukas over Disneyland. You know that record? Yeah, yeah, sure. Ed, Ed was, you know, me and Ed, we were there. I mean, I was, I was up at the Texas house. I was at the studio. I was there. You're breaking up a tiny little bit, Monty. I can, no, I can hear him okay. Well, Monty, let me ask you a question. Okay. Here's something that isn't in the play because I was so crazy that I was like, even though there's comic elements in the play, if I put this in, people will stop believing anything is true. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Al Lewis, Grandpa Munster. Yes, yeah. Was or was not? He was there. He was at the mansion. He was in Phil Spector's house, right off the billboard. <laughs> and he was sitting there. And, uh, like, he's a good friend no, of Phil's, and, for, and he was there. And that I, is great. It was a thrill to meet I, him. Brian, I don't even think we've talked about this. There's moments like that where no. I'm like, yeah, if I put this in, people are just going to be like, okay, this is crazy town. This is Sarah <laughs> or Toki, and I'm not even going to pay attention to this guy anymore. Absolutely true. Maybe if, maybe if we uh, maybe if it, if it ever gets to the movie stage, we should uh, we should flesh it out and we should get Al Lewis in there because that's my <laughs> that's my favorite detail that I wasn't able to include. <laughs> I want Edward Norton to play me in the movie. Oh, of course, <laughs> Edward Norton with his Fight Club body. Yeah. No, so oh, that would be I'm fantastic. I'm just curious. If people How do you, Monty? You're what? breaking up. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you now. Yeah, perfect. I'm just curious to see what the whole... Oh, my God. It's really bad. I can't hear him. Monty? Uh, is it about, is it about the, the research I did? I'm not sure what he's asking. Monty? No, 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 no. Monty, get... Monty? Yes? There you oh, are. Yeah. Okay, now you're really clear. Okay, stay wherever right. you are because we I'll couldn't hear you. you. I'll stay okay, here. go ahead. I'm just curious what the whole premise of the play is about. I mean, you have Linda in there, right? Did you talk to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, Linda. Um, uh, no, I didn't. I, Linda has. Uh, she, I think she's supportive of it. And Brian talked to her briefly. Um, I, I, I felt like if I if I got too close to these people, it was going to color the writing a little bit. And, mm. and I felt like. You know, obviously she's a she's a part of the play, and I wanted to make her like as three dimensional as I could without, so it doesn't turn into like you know it's a groupy story, you know, because that's that's not going to serve anybody. And we've got a terrific actor playing her who watched just hours of Linda interviews. Uh, Arden did a really amazing job taking on uh, the character, um, but uh, no, mostly it was the it was the books and interviews from the time. Um, That's amazing. And then just kind of, and then smushing it together so that it kind mm-hmm. of, so that these events Make fit fun. In, in 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 the two years or so, going from like let's say the end of Road to Ruin till right before Pleasant Dreams. You know, nice. so it's like the, awesome. the leading up, right. 
right. during during end of the century and and the aftermath when it was it turned into the best selling record of their career. Um, and I love the record, but it, you know the record has its detractors. You know, there's people who think, oh, it's not really a punk record or it's Joey's solo record, and I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. And I feel like I've said this to Brian a bunch. I, I, I I've always been drawn to this chapter of of the Ramones' legacy because it was their their one of their big pushes for commercial success, and. It's such a great record, and I actually think it's a terrific punk record, even with the Phil Spector production. I think he got a big, loud drum sound. I think he got a big, loud guitar sound. Um, I, I, I think it, I think the record kicks serious ass, um, and I, I understand there's people who, who I, know, I know it has detractors, but I just think it's, it's a magnificent record, and it's, it's the one that, and I think probably Road to Ruin are the ones I go back to the most often. Yeah, John, I want to I want to bring up something in here. These albums that you mentioned are really true, and especially End of the Century, which is very interesting. A lot of great albums came out of times when the groups had disagreements. You know, some of the best albums, and during the end That's of the fair. century, with a lot of the raucous had, which is what we're talking about. That yeah. happened to be a really great album, and Road to Ruins the other mm-hmm. one. I totally, I'm very honored to work on both of them, designing them. You know what oh, I yeah. want to ask they're real terrific. quick is. Yeah, John, I want to ask you, this is Holly, what, um, what prompted you to decide to um, do this play? Because I know that you were you liked the Ramones and you talked about getting the cassette and playing it. Um, what made you decide to do this as a subject? Because I know that you have a big background, and so does Brian as well, in the um, entertainment industry as well as, like, You've written a lot of things. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about, like, the different people that are in the play and a little bit about um, your background and Brian's background a little bit. John, you sure, you sure. do you do some acting, correct? Yeah, that's that's actually my primary. Um, that's my that's that's how I, I pay the bills. Um, I'm not yet at a point where uh, playwriting is going to uh, is going to uh, keep food in my kids' bellies, but. Um, well, what I, I was drawn to the, to be perfectly honest, initially I was drawn to the, uh, you know, the sort of melodramatic aspect. Like here's you know, these four guys uh, from Queens who work quickly and efficiently, and they decide to work with this notoriously exacting producer, who by the way also happens to be crazy, who by the way also happens to be armed. Then there's the love triangle that's going on within the band at the time. And I just all this stuff, and I was like, this is kind of Shakespearean. I think this is probably a play before it's anything else, you know? So I, I, I jotted down some ideas, and I wrote a first draft, which looks very different from the one that's on stage right now. And I kind of stepped back, and I was like, oh, this is why I'm drawn to this story. This is about, like, the relationship between art and work. Mm-hmm. And the Ramones were artists, and they were from the, the New York art scene, and that is a great. I think it's Marky who thanked Andy Warhol in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame acceptance speech. Is it Marky or Tommy? Um, who was that, Monty? I'm probably Tommy. Have you seen the Ramones live, by the way? Yes, yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. old enough. Yeah. I'm not old enough to have gotten the album uh, when it first came out, but I was old enough to see them while Dee Dee was still in the band. Where uh, so I thought, I saw two Richies and a Marky at the Ritz on 11th Street. It's funny because I just uh, saw Richie today uh, at the Queen's Museum, 
Uh, oh, I, I brought great. him to the, to the show. Uh, that's a great show. It's coming to L.A., by the way, in September. You guys I know. It's coming to the Grammy Museum, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I can't wait. I, I have people sending me photos of it um, every weekend. The every weekend, somebody goes to the Queen's the Museum and sends me pictures. Yeah, the problem is the Grammy Museum is a little smaller than the uh, Queen's Museum, so I'm not sure right. what they're going to bring in. <laughs> but uh, today, I, the first, the only Ramon to come to the show was Richie. I, today, I, I brought him around. Really? And, and you work, I was just seeing, Monty, you work right near there? You work at the Hall of Science? Yes, I am a supervisor, audiovisual supervisor at the New York you, my, my My favorite field trips from when I was growing up. I, I grew up in Manhattan, but we used to go out to the Hall of Science all the time. Um, uh, but it was, so anyway, so, so I, I finished this draft and I looked at it and I said, okay, this is about like whether, you know, whether art is something that just pours out of you and that you record in a week for, you know, a thousand dollars or if it's something that you really, really slave away on and record over a month and it costs $200,000, you know? And I was, I was so struck at the incredible difference in production value between the first record and then just four albums later, end of the century. And you can still tell it's the Ramones. It's the, thing. the Ramones' signature is through both records, but they're you know, they're obviously sonically really different records. Um, and I just got really caught up in the idea of like, what is this? What is this relationship between the Ramones and Phil Spector saying about the amount of effort that you should put into an art, an artwork, um, well, you know, while still you know, while still trying to keep it pure, you know? Phil Spector. Always loved the Ramones. In 1977, we played the Whiskey A Go Go, and he came backstage and said, "I love you guys." There's some pictures in my book of him there. <laughs> he looked yeah. crazy then. He always liked the Ramones. He liked what they were doing, and he wanted to work with them. 1977, he loved them. I know, and he was trying to get them, trying to get them to work with him for years. And yeah. um, and it's also so interesting because. You know, it's no secret that Joey took a few singing tricks from Ronnie Spector, and, you know, that's fascinating. <laughs> Here's a guy who's like, oh, I really want to work with this tall, lanky guy from Queens who sounds like my ex-wife. You know, that's, <laughs> that's just about the most interesting thing uh, I've ever heard about a, a relationship between a producer and a singer. Um, there's just so many layers to the relationships there. Um, if we if you know, we ever come to New York, and I'm going to do another draft in Monty, I'd, I'd love to sit down and pick your brain. I'm to New York. My brain is available. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, Monty, why don't you tell us a little bit about what um, was real, what was going on during this time that you that you were there for? What, are you kidding me? I'm Phil Spector. <laughs> Come on, he was crazy. I mean, the guy's brilliant. He's a brilliant producer. Wonderful producer, but totally out of his mind. Totally out of his mind. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. He was going into the bathroom and drinking a Chevy's wine, and he'd come out in different costumes, and he'd, he'd take mm-hmm. out his bed. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, my God. What is that? Come on, I'm serious. Of course I'm serious. I was <laughs> That's all in the play. The costumes, the <laughs> Manic the costumes and the, the Manischewitz are all in the play. <laughs> the sure. Manischewitz is also my favorite detail in the world. Um, he got cooler of the oh stuff next to him. All right, that's good. You got that. I mean, he changes. I mean, he he would come to the, he he'd come to the morning dressed like in a in a John London hat and a, a regular shirt. He'd go into the bathroom and he'd come out in the cape and a in a 
Really crazy Monty? stuff. Yeah. Monty, tell, I want to know a little bit about this whole thing about he put a gun, he put a gun down. It, what was the whole thing about the thing I read about them holding uh, the Ramones in the house with the gun well, or in the studio? We went to, yeah, we went to his house a few times and and uh, his house was, uh, he, you couldn't get out unless he would let you out. It was this very secure house. He had a a code to let you out. So we were up there a few times, and uh, we were uh, he, we played this uh, movie called Puppets or something. We played it magic. like six uh, times. Yeah, Magic. It's magic, called, right? it was called Magic. Magic, right? After That's about four times, he played it. And we said we're, we're going to get, get out of here. He would just keep, over and over. He played the whole same thing. And eventually, he let us out. But he, I'm telling you, he's as crazy as he looked. That was wow. another thing that, like, that really, that really struck me about the story, was specifically, <laughs> I mean, just if you look, I, I, I was an English major in college, so I look at this thing and I go, okay, here's a guy who wants to control this band and fix how it sounds, so he shows them a movie about a ventriloquist, and I think that's pretty on the nose as far as metaphors go. <laughs> I mean, that, and then, and, but then the dummy takes over, and then the dummy becomes more powerful. What, what, Monty? Uh, not only once he played that damn thing over and over again till he went crazy and he finally let us out of the house. But it was true. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't uh, actually point the gun at us. He had guns on him. He weighed them around. You know. He. You know. We knew he had guns, and he he did pull them out and wave them around. He never pointed at at the group or anything. Uh, but years what about later, recording to... the recording of the album um, Monty End of the Century in the in the studio? You have any stories about that? Well, you know, there's a few stories about that. Sure, I mean, um, one story is that uh, we we wanted to leave the studio at the time, and he came over to me and said, uh, "Give me the keys to the van. Give me the keys to the van." You know, because <laughs> I was driving the van at the time. You know, he was threatening, he was threatening me. You know? I finally got the manager Oh, my there. God. He was crazy. You know, years later, I worked with one manager, and I I, I can't hear you. What? Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah I can hear yep. you now. Years, Sound years like a Verizon commercial. I worked with Ronnie Specker. I did some tour managing for her, and I talked to her in a long time. And, you know, she has a lot of stories where she was kept in the in, in that house uh, as a prisoner. So. Oh, Wow. So I worked with her, and uh, we have some stories about that. But he was, uh, you know, he's as crazy as he looked. <laughs> um, give me the key, give me the keys to the van while you guys saying you wanted to leave the studio. Oh yeah, my we, god! We wanted to leave the session at the time, and he said, "No, you're not leaving." And he comes over to me, and, and then right in my face is, "Give me the keys! Give me the keys! Mm. I want the keys to the van now!" You know. I didn't give it to him. We we left, you know. But uh, and then then he had to have a sit down with the with the record company, and they had to calm him him down a bit, you know. Wow. Well, now a, I a know Monty. Oh, go ahead, John. It's funny. Monty can tell you stories of when they first started out playing in garages, and they were in a the band was called something different in the beginning, correct, Monty? Not garages. We never played any garages. Maybe basements. You play. You play. Yeah, basements, that's right. The basements and also Joey's in the gallery, gallery, right? Yes, in his Joey's mom's mom. gallery. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. 
That's why I love, I love that too. That's a wonderful thing. The the art gallery figures into the play a little bit too. There's an amazing Ronnie Spector story that I couldn't really fit into the play, although Ronnie obviously comes up a couple times. Um, that she apparently, when she did finally get out of the house, she walked down to Wilshire Boulevard from Sunset barefoot because he'd hidden her shoes or something. And you know, I don't know. I mean, there's so much legend surrounding the guy that may or may not be true, but it's, it's fascinating. I'm is it true, Monty? Yeah, that's true. That is true, yeah. And, and I mean, with comfortable shoes, you're looking at an hour walk. You know, from, from Sunset Boulevard down to Wilshire Boulevard to go to her lawyer's office to file for divorce on foot. You know, in a wow. city where nobody walks, let alone barefoot. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty well, crazy. You know, uh, uh, Monty has some really great stories that he told on our show that we did about, with the Queens Museum about you guys playing together and how you guys all started out. Monty? Why, why, why? What's the question? Yeah, you said you, you I said you were, t- you told us a lot of different stories about the Ramones and how everybody first started out when you guys first started playing and how young everybody was. Yes, yes. We all grew up in Forest Hills. That's another reason I, 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 I'm so fond of the band is that I was from I was born in Rico Park, mm-hmm. right. which is just just a couple of neighborhoods over. That's right, next to Forest Hills. Yeah. So John, um, the, so John, what I was going to say about with the play, um, this play Four Chords and a Gun. Again, it's playing at the Bootleg Theater. It's playing Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays at 2. You're having a matinee. And Brian uh-huh. told us about the daycare that's available. So, um, yeah, cool, huh? young, young <laughs> there's, there's parents. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. And um, I, I thought it would be really cool to have Spencer, you know, Drake on the show because he um, worked on the end of the century. And then also Monty. Because Monty was there for a lot of this. And I'm so glad yeah. that you know, Brian's here. Not a lot of it. All of, all of it, not a lot of it. You did all of it. I know, baby. You yeah, did all of it. It's, just, it's listen, such listen, an listen, honor to listen, talk listen. to you guys. Um, I'm the only one alive. Listen to this. I'm the only one alive today. Listen, I'm the only one alive today that was there with the Ramones from the beginning to the end. Right. right. Yeah. It was Arturo and me. Arturo died last year. Now it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember when we lost Arturo. Um, uh, the I listen another thing. I love that the band had an artistic director. That's just such an amazing. You know, I mean, when you think of like a, when, you, when you think of a band with a more perfect visual image, you know, it's it's really hard to think of another one. Maybe I'll maybe give it up for Devo. But can you think of any band that like looked that looked better? Well, you know the you that? know the sex, but you're getting into design here, which is my area, John. So. I yeah. like the Sex Pistols. Jamie Reed was unreal. Who did the Sex Pistols graphics? I oh, mean, right. Jamie Reed all, like, was unreal. Out, that was the sex letters. Yeah, yeah, that was great graphics, and I think the image for them was wild, so and raw, and he did that with the graphics with the Sex Pistols. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, the album cover looks like a ransom note. I love that cover. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's awesome. Well, you know but, what but I Arturo, think is really Arturo's logo is amazing. I mean, Arturo 
the mm-hmm. image he had for them, and the logo is incredible, John. Right? I mean, the, the oh, logo. It's, it's which, the, the first time. The, the first time I noticed that baseball bat, I just laughed and laughed. I was standing in a. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you remember that? Do you remember the that store on Eighth Street called Poster Mat? Oh yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Po- that's where I bought my Ramon shirt that I still have. My Ramon shirt. Oh, my and, God. God, I can't even get into how old my Ramon shirt is. So while I didn't <laughs> see them live, I don't have a concert tee. I, I bought my Ramon shirt at Poster Map, but I went in, I saw it. Blue. I said, oh, my God, the Eagles holding a baseball bat. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I have never seen anything funnier in my life. And I had just heard Beat on the Brat for the first time, so it all was clicking in my head. There was just like these fireworks going off inside my head. And I was like, I will have that shirt. And I bought it in extra large. <laughs> It was an extra large that hung on my 14-year-old body like a tent, <laughs> and it has since, oh, in the 30 years, it has since gone down to a snug small that rides up a little bit, only wear it for special occasions, but it, <laughs> it, it has a drawer all to itself in my house. <laughs> it, can't, it can't go in with the other T-shirts because it'll just, you know, tell them stories, and it will keep them up all night, so it has a drawer all to itself. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're funny. Is that you, John? Oh, you're no. funny. You're you're so cute. That's hysterical. Monty. Uh yeah. no. Oh, we got a little feedback there. What? Are you there, Monty? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can no, hear you. you. <laughs> I was gonna gonna ask you, could you share with our listeners a little bit about um the Queen's Museum thing that's going on, like, you know, so everybody knows. They can go to that, too, if they're in New York, and also make sure you check out Four Chords and a Gun. If you missed the beginning of this again, it'll be available afterwards as an instant um, podcast. So, yeah, the Queen, Monty, yeah, yeah, yeah go the ahead. Queen, the Queen's Museum show is only to the end of July, July 31st it ends. It's four rooms of all, all sorts of uh, memorabilia from the Ramones, and uh, it's going to the Grammys Museum in September 16th. Uh, for a couple of months there. So uh, if you want to see it here in New York, uh, it's, it's a great uh, show, uh, ex- exhibition. There's it, about four, 400 items from the Ramones, about 170 items are my stuff, from my collection. Right. Right. And, oh, my uh, God. I'm not sure. The, the problem is the Grammy, the, the, museum is, the Grammy Museum is a little smaller, so I'm not sure what they will, will be able to show. So, uh, But it's going there September 15th. Yeah. Monty, there you are. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> what was the, what was the thing here? I have, I have a question for you, Monty. What was the thing that you were were proudest to loan to the exhibit? Was there one particular? You said you had what was it, 170 objects of yours? Yeah, uh, all of it. All of it. All of it. Uh, proud to you know have there. You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is there anything in particular that really like is your prize prize possession what, or something? What, what I lended was posters, tour itineraries, photographs, tour passes, uh, uh, t-shirts, uh, uh, merchandise, so, oh, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of things. Oh God, I can't. I know. I got to put a plug in for Mark H. Miller, who we had on our show. Who Curated uh-huh. this wonderful show, John. 
Mark H. Miller curated the show at the Queen. Okay. Amazing curation. I can't wait. I, I cannot yeah. wait. I'll, I'll be there opening. I, I really look forward to it. So um, it'll be coming. It, uh, and what's really cool is uh, John Holstrom designed a uh, map. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the map, oh. Monty, really quick. Yeah, he designed a map of all the area of all the different remote locations where they grew up and the CBGBs and where they played. And uh, it's a great map. I'm not sure if that's. I don't think that's, I'm not sure if that's going to the Grammy Museum, but I Is hope it, it does. I'm not I sure hope you. Too. A John Holmes map. Today, 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 yeah, I was just there today with John Holmstrom and Roberta Bailey, and uh, we were oh, doing yeah. some interviews for a guy in Argentina, a guy named Mariano, and uh, we were there today, and uh, he did a great job, uh, John. And, and, Richie, he, and Richie showed up today? Yeah, Richie came yeah, by. He was, he was in the area. He played Brooklyn last night. He's playing Pennsylvania tonight, and he came by, and I, I brought him around. And I, he's the only remote cool. that showed up. He's the only one. He, um, uh, it, is there any plan to take the exhibit down south into South America? Because I know the Ramones have just a, I mean, they were yeah, playing I'll stadiums be, down there. The guy today that was there interviewing uh, us was from Argentina, which we were huge in Argentina. Maybe we could bring it down there. Go to the Queen's Museum, the Grammy Museum to do this. Hey, listen, Monty. Let me ask you a question. Aren't they planning uh, to bring that, uh, bring this show on tour with a lot of cities, Monty? Well, yes. The Grammy Museum is planning on doing other cities. We're not sure which ones yet. Right yeah, now, okay. from September to I think uh, the middle of next year, it will be in LA. And we'll be doing, um, Spencer and I will be doing an interview with the curator from the Grammy Museum um, as well soon. And I'll make sure everybody knows about that. And I'm sure everybody will be involved in that as well, like we did for the Queens Museum. And I just think it's so important that, you know, as, as in every one of our Ramones show that we've done, we said how remote the Ramones like is is really huge with even young adults like they like can relate to it. So for John to offer daycare and do a matinee and then also this really fun fun you know play for all these people, even though maybe some of it is a little off and like you said, some of it's based on you know different things. I think it's awesome just to bring the message out there. You know, I think it's gonna. You know, I, I think it's gonna. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna spark a lot of interest in, uh, in, in. You know, this is gonna sound really pretentious, but brace yourself. I think it's gonna spark interest in the Ramones, the way Amadeus sparked interest in Mozart. You heard me. I said it. There we go. I'm on the record <laughs> saying it. I just said that into a but live. True, mic. and you know, <laughs> Holly, uh, when I read John's play almost two years ago, this is Brian. You know, I didn't know the Ramones from anything. Like, I knew that there was a group at one point in his Ramones, and I knew that they were a punk band, but I couldn't name a song to save my soul. And after reading John's play, like so many people that have actually seen the play, like, the first thing I wanted to do was to go home and find out as much as I could about this group and their music. And so 
I represent sort of the other end of the spectrum from where John is, where I'm sort of the uninitiated Ramones fan. I know nothing going in. And now after, you know, several months living with the show, uh, I feel like I know way more than I ever should have. But uh, but it was great because, you know, I got to learn about them. You know, I'm, I'm in my late 30s, and now, you know, I have a much different appreciation of the Ramones and that kind of music and that time of music than, say, somebody that really grew up with it. And so that's another sort of demographic that we're really trying to appeal to with this show uh, is, mm-hmm. again, as John said, you know, not to be sort of like, this is how it happened, but really to present the story and to leave the audience with a lot of ideas, not just about the Ramones yep. as a group and mm-hmm. Phil Spector as a producer and music at that time in history, but, you know, really more sort of universal ideas about working as a team, working in a group, mm-hmm. not liking your coworkers, mm-hmm. uh, struggling to find the joy in your job. You know, all of these things that most people, whether punk fans or not, um, can relate to in some way. And so that's really, really the, at the core of doing the play and doing this production is to really drive those points home. Okay, well, you know what we're going to do? We're, we're going to buy, Brian, we're going to buy you a ticket and send you to New York, and you're going to spend a week with Monty. And by the time you leave New York, you're, <laughs> you're going to Well, Monty be hasn't like, signed off on that yet. Don't, don't put Monty on the spot about that. Monty's got a job, Monty's got stuff to do. Monty would be more than you know. happy to get the truth out there. Yeah, no, Monty, Monty's all about the real thing, the real deal. September I can't hear you, Monty. Can you hear me now? Hello? I can hear you yeah, now. Where are you? Hi, <laughs> listen, I'm coming out to L.A. in September 14th, 15th, 16th, around that time. Uh, let's all meet together. Uh, I look forward to you, John. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, okay. I, I stand by the place, so I'd actually, I'd reverse that. I'd rather have... Monty come out here and see it, and then we talk about it rather than him just tell me what went down. Because I, I, I think we did a pretty good job here. I think John did an amazing job. You did amazing. John, you did an amazing thing. You sparked an interest in a lot of people that, you know, bringing up the forefront. Also, um, you know, focusing on the end of the century and the fact that Spencer is able to be here today um, and talk about it, that's really that's really amazing. And also with, with having Monty on here with us as well. How long, how long is the play playing out there in L.A.? Uh, well, the 31st. We close the same day. Yeah, we close the same day as the Queen's Museum, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. So if you're in New York, go check out the Queen's Museum. But if you're in L.A., check out the play. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But what about September when I come out there? You're going to extend it through September 16th. We'll see what we, you know, well, that's, that's not we'll, up to we'll us. See, but, we'll uh, see. That, we'll see. That's, a, that's, that's certainly a, solid a good reason see. to do it. <laughs> hey, John, John. I, got to ask you, I got to ask you a question. Uh, John, do you think I'm Is this playing, Spencer? Yeah, yeah, Spencer. Do you think the play will come to New York? Um, It's too early to say definitively, but everybody wants that. I mean, the cast wants yeah. that. I want that. I mean, it, I'm, I'm happy that it opened in L.A. because it is, you know, a, the lion's share of the play takes place in Los Angeles. And it is, you know, it's as much an L.A. story. This particular album, anyway, is as much an L.A. story. But it's got to play New York, for God's sakes. It's got to play New York. 
Yeah, and yeah, um, and so. we're 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 working with um uh you know I, I'm incredibly superstitious, so is Brian, but we have a couple irons in the fire regarding that. Great. I have great. a couple things I want to ask. Um, one is I want to bring up the fact that there's also Jessica Hanna. Is it is that pronounced correctly? Hanna. Yeah, Hanna. Hanna. Yeah. Jessica Hanna is also working on this with you, and your mm-hmm. all star cast. Um. Matthew, Patrick Davis, and Jonathan McLean, and Michael Daniel Cassidy, and James, is it Humphrey? It's Humphrey. 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 Yeah. Okay. And Aiden Myron, and uh, Josh. uh, Okay. And uh, Josh as well. And a lot of these people have played on on major networks and um, done some major television stuff. And, um, you know, what I wanted to say, John, earlier is I was asking you if you could tell everyone a little bit about your background really quick, and then I'd like to get Brian's background and then have tell you a little bit about what he's been doing and stuff. So let's start with you, John, if you guys have a little more time, and also Monty. Do you guys have time, or are you guys cutting? A a little bit, yeah. I have a little bit of time here, yeah. Okay, Um, cool, John. So tell us a little bit about you. I have a little bit of time here. Go, go, go. Well, my background is I, I, I grew up in, in New York City. Um, uh, I'm 45, so I was born in 71, and as I said, I got a chance to um, – I was old enough to get into the Ritz and, and see uh, Yay. And, and see the Ramones when, when Dee Dee was still playing with them. And um, I was always really um, – I was always really struck by how inclusive the scene was there because, you know, there's a lot of punk shows where it would be sort of an us versus them mentality, but, you know, the, the, the play opens with the sound of We're a Happy Family, which they close with. And I thought that was a Who's very, in the wind? Who's in the wind? Is this the wind? Yeah. the wind, yeah. Yeah, it's the wind. I can stand over here. Is that a little better? Better, much better. Oh, my goodness. We thought it was Monty. Okay. This is not Monty's fault. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, but so I was I was in a, a self-taught punk band for a little while in my twenties before I became an actor. But I've always, you know, I've I've always, you know, again, I grew up in New York City, so I, I had access to punk rock and I had access to a lot of theater, and I, I uh, saw no reason why the two couldn't be smushed together. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's my first play and it's, there's a reason it's my first play. I think this is, this is sort of a, a, this has been a hard project from a while, for a while now. And and Brian got a chance to read it and was so enthusiastic and wasn't even that much of a Ramones fan. Although I should add that I think everybody's a Ramones fan. Some people just don't know it yet. (laughs) I still feel like. It was just this great, like, okay, so I'm not crazy. This isn't just a story that's in my head. And, and watching the reaction that people have had to it, um, uh, both both fans and, and novices, has been has been really pretty exciting. I, I just knew the story was going to be, uh, you know, a little sad, a little frustrating, but also really, really funny. And that's the thing that, that always drew me to the Ramones is I, I remember, you know, being at the, the Tower Records just north of, Lincoln Center and flipping over the cassette and seeing that, that song title, Now I Want to Sniff Some Blue, and just, again, cracking up in the aisles at, at Tower Records and just thinking, I love that the word now is at the beginning of the, the, uh, 
of the song title. It's not I want to sniff some glue. It's now I want to sniff some glue. Having done all these other things, now I want to sniff some glue. That's great. I mean, what? I mean, this is like it's thirty years later, and I'm still giggling like a ninth grader at that. Um, and I just I but I other I also felt like a lot of times they. And, you know, they, this was part of their image was that they were, like, the kind of cartoon tough guys. And then I, I saw the CBGB's movie, and I'm not going to, you know, speak ill of somebody else's work, but I thought it was sort of perpetuating the idea of the Ramones as cartoons a little bit. And I, I you know, I'm not close enough to it to say that I was offended, but I was like, you know, I feel like they deserve more than that. And it, it's going to mean fleshing things out, and it's going to mean some conjecture, and it's going to mean some you know, smushing events together and, and not, you know, messing with the chronology of things a little bit to make it a cohesive night at the theater. But I still feel like it was a, it was a, a very theatrical story that was, that was worth telling. Hey, John, mm-hmm. I got to bring up something that ties in with what you said, the road to ruin album cover, uh, masterfully artwork of uh, John Holmstrom. There was big controversy on that because the group didn't like the idea of cartoon image. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, very That's big thing. Funny. That's wow. funny. It's all over. It's the inside the lyric sheet for um, uh, Rocket to Russia was all cartoons too. But I guess that's not the right. cover though. That's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because that's their front cover image. Yeah, the image. You know. Yeah. It's. it's um, today, today I was just with John Holmes from Roberta Valley at the Queens Museum. Yeah. The um I, I I I want to talk to Spencer for a moment about the um the decision to take the jackets off for the cover of End of the Century, which which figures into the play a little bit, and I, I gather there was some controversy about that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. John Mickrock set up the shot. That's how it starts. And he did a okay. shoot with them with leather jackets. And if you look actually on the Internet and look at Mickrock, you'll see some actually remote shots that were rejected with the uh, leather jackets. But, you know, yeah. this is what's very interesting. Mick was very good with color. I worked with him a lot. We're very good friends, but he was a great color photographer. So his yeah. whole thing was he saw these color T-shirts as a beautiful – I could see what he was, he was thinking. It was a beautiful color thing. But, you know, it's not the Ramones-type image. It caused, it caused controversy. And Marky mentioned on the Sirius show when I was interviewed on his show – he said they had a lot of controversy with that cover. You know what I mean? And they even yeah. said that they wanted, they want, listen to this, if you go to the inner sleeve of that album, this is an interesting story. I took that photograph, which is the only photograph I had to use, I converted it to a black and white on an orange background. And that, that he told me, Marky on the show, that they wanted that as the front cover because it was raw. It looked more raw, you know, and they ended up yeah. being the sleeve, 45 sleeves overseas, by the way, that cover. So oh, cool. It was, yeah, so Mick, uh, Mick's photograph, it was his setup. His idea, but you know what? You know what's funny, John. If you look at the shoot with the leather jackets, it doesn't look that good. For some reason, those photographs are not strong. But when you see them with the colored T-shirts, it's unreal. And you know, it, oh, it turns pops. out to be one of the most iconic albums in history of rock and roll. You know this. It it, it completely pops out. I, I love yeah. it. I, I actually, for an opening night gift, Brian gave me a framed. Uh, 
a framed copy of the of the record sleeve, and it hangs oh, on my wow, wall great. because it's oh, yeah. oh, it's nice. a piece of art in and of itself. It's just it's just the the colors are are gorgeous, and you spot it from across the room. Yeah, and your eyes exactly. Are just drawn to it, and it's and I love the contrast of their of these bright primary colors with these mm-hmm. guys who look like yeah, don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so Johnny and uh, Johnny and Didi didn't like the cover. Um, Joey and Marky liked the cover. In the Queens Museum show, there's the actual T-shirt, red T-shirt that Johnny's wearing in that photo. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Yeah. yeah uh, Linda donated to the show. There was a big, you know, Johnny didn't want to go away from the whole uh, leather jacket look of the Ramones. So yeah. he hated the cover. He, he didn't like the cover. He didn't like the cover. Joey liked the cover. And Marky liked the cover. And, and then Gary Kerfess liked the cover. So they outvoted him. They they went with Mick Rock's cover without the, without the, the uh, leather right. jacket. And that's why that happened. Yeah, exactly, Monty, because remember, Marky said they voted on it on his show. He yeah. told me, he said they voted on it, you know? Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, wow. The show, that's funny. Just today. Yeah, Hello? I was, I was, yeah, I was it today with uh, Roberta Bailey and John Holmes from looking at the T-shirt. Linda uh, has a T-shirt there from the, the, the original red T-shirt from the shoot there, and in the, in, the, in the exhibition, it's great. Yeah. Right. That, that's that's so awesome. Cool. That's great. Um, you know what? I want to add, add it. Ask Brian. Brian, what is your background, and um, how did you get involved in this with the play? Um, well, it's not quite as um, uh, I guess homespun <laughs> as John's connection to everything, but uh, I'm ori- I'm originally from Chicago. And I've been mm-hmm. out in L.A. for a little over a decade now. I actually went to school to become a, an English teacher, which is what I did for a few years after college. And um, I've just always been, in, you know, fascinated with the entertainment industry, uh, specifically theater, but also film and television. And so since I've been in L.A., I've worked in, in, in that industry as a producer and as a uh, business and legal affairs executive and um but theater has always been my passion. I've always loved working on shows uh, sort of behind the scenes and developing new material specifically. And so, uh, you know, I was given this script from a mutual friend of both John and myself um, who really enjoyed it, but uh, wasn't really familiar with the professional theater world and knew that I was. And, in, you know, and I obviously responded to the script very well and, and that got me a meeting with John and, and, you know, I just said, look, you know, here's, here's what I think about it. And if it were up to me, here's what I would do. And, and John basically said, okay, let's do that. And, uh, and so off we went. And, you know, one of the things that I've always tried to instill um, in the projects that I work on is the idea of process and of, uh, of taking time to develop things and giving the artists uh, in this case, John, also Jessica, our director, and certainly the cast, the the room and the time and the space to work with material and to and and to really give it you know the, the the best opportunity to shine. And you know, I felt so strongly after reading this play as a strictly non-Ramones person that this is a story that that needed to be told, that needed to be shared. 
that John's voice as a writer was one that needed to be um, shared with a theater-going community and a music community that, you know, I, I just felt like this is something that needed to be done. And so uh, that's that's kind of how I got involved. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to, to John and to Jessica and the Bootleg Theater for kind of allowing this process to run its course the way that it has. And, and you know, by no means is this sort of the end of the journey uh, but it's a pivotal point, and it's a lot of fun right now. I mean, I think everybody's really enjoying the response that people are having to the show after the first week. And, you know, I, for one, am really looking forward to the remainder of the run and really, um, you know, converting the uninitiated uh, into uh, into Ramones fans. Well, That's it's been, amazing. It's been kind of, uh, it's, it's great. been neat um, for a couple of, of uh reasons again the shows have been have been going great and it's it's uh it's the reviews have been coming out uh, this week and they're 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 pretty I've been seeing them they're awesome yeah, yeah they're really good but really the, the good. kind of fun thing about having brian and jessica who is a big music person and knows a little bit about the remotes but isn't you know hasn't done the research i have is that it kind of helped me make the play the most accessible i could make it so there were mm-hmm. moments where Jessica had to be like, okay, John, you cannot assume that everybody in the audience is going to immediately know that Seymour Stein was the president of Sire Records at the time and that Linda – I mean, you, you're, <laughs> you're working off these assumptions that are not necessarily – and so I was like, oh, okay, so that's not universal knowledge. Okay, I'll go back and fix that. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so it was kind of – it was a nice little checks and balance we had going so that I didn't, you know – just making this list of trivia and then it turned into something that actually looked like a play and, and was able to let people, uh, let people in, you know, cause again, you know, as I say, and I should, I should actually probably head out. I got to grab my, my kids. Um, uh, but I, that whole idea of the shows, the Ramon shows closing with we're a happy family, which they closed with a lot was such a thing for me because I remember just like having the courage to like cover up my glasses and go up to the front of the, uh, of the pit. And, and Joey would point at everybody when he was saying we're a happy family. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there was a, you had like two and a half minutes there where you really believed it was true. Mm. Wow. The uh, person that's playing Johnny there, uh, he, I, I saw a few photos of the uh, whole group there. He yeah, he's he, Jonathan does a really good job, um, uh, and I will give credit to our wig designer, Lauren Wild. Certainly, um, yeah, uh, we have a we have a killer wig designer on the show. But Johnny changed his in or listen, but what I just did, Jonathan changed his. Uh, his entire body language to wow. to take on uh, Johnny, and he watched interviews, and he got like the kind of nasal quality of Johnny's voice, but wow. he's able to do it in a theatrical setting so that you can hear him all the way in the back, which is really impressive, like technically really impressive. But it never feels like, oh, you know, we're watching an SNL sketch about the Ramones. I mean, it's a he's a fully formed character. Uh, it's it, it's a it's a hell of a performance. It's really impressive. Mm. That's wow. right. Well, you know, I'm really excited that we were able to have you on for Chords and a Gun is again playing at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles, and the address is 2220 Beverly Boulevard in L.A., and it's playing Thursday, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, a matinee performance through July 31st, 
And um, Brian gave out a couple of links for some ticket links. And I know that you have to go grab your son, um, John. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. And uh, um, hey, I'm super sorry I'm Holly, late. I would have loved Holly, to have been here like from the beginning. Oh, Holly, I'd like to say something to John. By the way, John, you mentioned Please Kill Me. Well, our guest next week is Lex McNeil, who wrote Please mm-hmm. Kill Me. Yeah, sure. Yep. And uh, I'm going to see him tomorrow night. I want to put a little minute here. Uh, Lex is having the 20th anniversary at the Ace Hotel tomorrow night, 29 West 20th Street from 7 to 10. If you can make it, it's going to be amazing. And um, my partner, Judith, and I are going. And uh, But you mentioned Please Kill Me, so that was the tie with what I wanted to mention now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, made awesome. everybody, I made everybody in the cast read that book. I, I oh, came into beautiful. when I came to the first day of rehearsal. I came with my my whole library of Ramon stuff, basically, and and other ancillary punk rock things. And I just got dumped in the middle of the table. And I said, "Here, take what you need." And I assigned a couple people books. I made sure that the guy playing Joey read uh, Mickey's book. You know, little things like yeah. that. And wow. um, so everyone left with homework on that first day, which <laughs> like we have to, you need to read the script and you need to get this done. Um, but it was, uh, um, they were all really receptive and they all came back and like, Oh my God, these stories are incredible. These people are amazing. Uh, it was, uh, it, it was a really fun process. I think, uh, well, I, I, I want you to know, you. I emailed Lex McNeil and I also emailed Seymour Stein about your play. And I oh, think, great. uh, you should hook up with Lex because he has this, please kill me. You know, uh, he puts on this thing every so often on email and, uh, it'll be a, a given. You know, I've been telling him about you. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. And then to make sure to tune in for the show, too, as well, if you want to tune into it. It'll be really fun. I Um, definitely will. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Legs Legs is a a font of, he would never remember this. I met him years ago when I used to, when my band used to play the Cotton Metal. Um, Oh, uh, wow. I I met him through, through, wow. Sure. Yeah. I met him (laughs) through Noel Ford. Um, and, uh, Noel was, uh, was like the, the one honest club owner in, in New York at the time that he would, you know, he'd give us a little bit of the bar and he was nice to us and he put us on good bills and it was always a fun time, but I, I met Legs McNeil one time and he was super friendly and nice and just a font of amazing stories. Oh so, yeah. Really, I've known him, I've known, I've known him for years, a great guy. I'm sorry. What'd you say, Monty? Trigger, trigger on the Continental. Noel Ford, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Trigger owned it. You're absolutely right. Trigger owned it, and and Noel managed it. I or was yeah. always, he was always there. Yeah. He was the guy who booked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound man, sound man. Yeah, he, he was always That's he was always the awesome. guy who paid us. So I thought in my head that he was the owner. Um, there was a uh, a sign that Trigger put up uh, behind. I think I've told you this, Brian. There was a sign behind the bar, the Continental, that Trigger put up that warned you that if you yelled Freebird, you could be kicked out. <laughs> Which really should be in every bar. I mean, let's it should be, be in every bar. That ought, be, that ought to be a federal law. That really ought to be a federal law. Thanks, Obama. Um, <laughs> um, again, so I, I want to. I'm sorry, I was late. I know, no, no, so that's okay. Brian, can you stay on? Yeah, yeah, I could stay on for a minute. Okay. All right, John. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I don't know. We try. I tried to friend you on Facebook, but for some reason, I wasn't able to. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll send find you, you. I'll send you a message. Me, yeah, John, Holly, me too. Hey, John, me Spencer. I tried to friend you on Facebook also. Friend both of us if you could. <laughs> Happy to. You're Happy so to. funny. Um, and Monty. Uh, and Monty. Yeah. And everybody. 
John, John, definitely uh, we'll come out to LA in, in September sixteenth. Uh, Let's get together. I'd like that. That would be yeah. awesome. I'd like that very much. Thank you so All much, right. John. Thank you guys. I, I want to say take, thank take you so much for being here, and I think it's a great piece of work that you've done. Thank you so much. Here's hoping that means a lot. Thanks, guys. Hey, good, thank good you. luck, John. So, Brian, you still there? I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that was that was really great. You know, I think this has been a really fun interview for all of us because coming from a perspective of somebody that worked on End of the Century with, with Spencer and then also Monty being there from the beginning, the very, very beginning, these were like his childhood friends. I think it's really important. And I think that everybody here today really learned a lot. This is really fun. I, I Again, you yeah. know, if you guys could go see this play, it would be really awesome. And, Monty, you definitely yeah, – no, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys all need to get together. Yeah, it's been so good. So what it's I wanted – What, what, Monty? It's been very good, Holly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of fun. Good, good, good. You're breaking up, Monty. All right. I'm breaking up. That's well, me. No, oh, no. We love you. We love you, Monty. Hey, rock and roll, Monty. Rock and roll, bro. Yeah, right. and Monty, I want to thank Monty so much for taking time out of his day because I know that he had that whole thing with the Queens today with um Richie and I'm surprised Richie made it there. That's well that's right. He's playing in uh in town so that's awesome. And um and then your interview and stuff and everything and I wanted to thank Brian so much for being so helpful and getting this interview together. And um I wanna oh, thank you're, you're Spencer. Welcome. <clears throat> I wanna thank Spencer too, yeah, for being here and oh, thanks, um, also you Great know show. being part of this. Spencer and I do shows on Fridays on the Indie Cafe um, where we talk to different people. So this coming Friday we won't be on, but um, we will be on next Friday. And next Wednesday, guys, I will be having um, a pretty fun show. I'll be having, um, you know, a show on some Bruce Springsteen. We're going to be doing some, uh, you know, work on that. And uh, that'll be fun. We're we're all like all about really getting pop culture out there and making sure everybody yeah. has all the great mm-hmm. information and everything. So we want to thank everyone for being here today again. And um, thank you again. Holly. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And again, make sure to tune in next Wednesday as we have Frank Stefanko on and, um, Thank you so much, Monty, for calling in. That really means a lot to me that you were here today. We love you, Holly. <laughs> we love you. And we're going to. We love you. I love you too. We're going to. We're going to end. We're going to end. We're going to end the show with a song called "Rock and Roll High School." And um, uh, Brian, why did you choose that song? Well, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's one of the most popular. It's one of the most recognizable, I think, of the canon. Um, it has a, a reference in the show. 
um, you know, they were making the movie and recording the song as part of the album. So there's a lot of relevance to the play uh, tied into that song. And, you know, one of the more memorable scenes of the play has to do with Phil um, wanting the band to sort of play the opening chord over and over again obsessively um, to the point where it really kind of splinters the whole dynamic between the collaboration. So it, it has a lot of resonance in the show, and, and it's a great song, you know. I mean, so can't go yeah, wrong with no. It. So, and we opened up with uh, "Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio," which is awesome. That was a great song to open up with. So we're going to end the show now. And for everyone listening, we will not be on this Friday. And again, thank you, Spencer, and thank you, Monty, for being oh, here. Listen, and also, uh, Holly, um, I want, yeah, Holly, yeah. I want to say one thing. I designed the single sleeve, uh, Brian, for uh, for Rock and Roll High School. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 That's uh, you know, I got to tell you, one of the most consistently funny bits in the play. Oh really? Has I to love do it. With rock and Roll <laughs> High School. Uh, yeah. Has to do with Dee Dee's line. Um, in in the movie, um, you know, all right, pizza. You know, there's a great <laughs> bit that John put in there about that and about how Dee Dee is really, you know, just beside oh. himself and very nervous about saying that one line in the show, and wow. uh, always gets a huge laugh. And it's it's a great <laughs> it's a great moment of brevity in the show. So oh, that's great. Uh, that's awesome. That's great. I, that's have, great. To, I have to say, great. I have to say one thing about the uh, the. Uh, the, the album there, the, my favorite song, people come up to me and say, what's your favorite Ramon, Ramon song? And I have to say, All the Way from End of the Century. Do you guys know why? 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 Oh, you know, why? What's your name? It's your name after you. They're, 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 Joey writes me into the song. Mon yeah, he wrote a song about you. It's, <laughs> it's like being in the Navy. And it's true It's true about the pizza Um, Monty can tell you there were tons of pizza boxes Always in the room (laughs) We like pizza Pizza, pizza, pizza You know they would be so You know what There should be like You know what they should do I have a great idea but I don't know why they haven't done it a pizza company should like have a Ramones like as their like icon, you know, like delivering pizzas or do a commercial with the Ramones in it with the pizza. Like, is, is it? I don't know. You think of pizza, you think of the Ramones, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, Come I, will, on. I will say, Holly, that when when we were gearing up to do the production, just really quickly, we did reach out to the Manischewitz company uh, uh-huh. to do some sort of a cross wow. promotion just because of, you know, the story of, of Phil and his connection to it. Unfortunately, we, we weren't able to make that happen, but it is in the show. So wow. a lot of cross awesome. promotion before we even knew what it was. Wow. That's great. I like well, that. you know, we all learned something here today. We learned that Phil likes to dress up in costumes and likes to play with guns. <laughs> we, we, learned, <laughs> we learned about the making of the album cover and about how they voted and all the different things and 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 some great real truths about from Monty about a lot of the time where he was there when this hey. was all going down. So 
This is a fantastic show. And, again, I want to thank you so much. And, again, if you missed the beginning of the show, it will be available on iTunes afterwards and on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio as a podcast. And with that, we will end our show with Rock and Roll High School. And, again, I want to thank you, Spencer and Monty and Brian and John, for all calling in again today. It was fun time. Thank you very much, guys. Hey, we love it. You're very welcome. Here you guys go. Rock and roll. Okay. I don't know what happened. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's recess Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.